Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Uh, here's what I want to know. First of all, I want to know who out there are my math people? Who, come on, hands up, like in high school, college, math. There's like two of you math people. Okay, you guys are like embarrassed that you're math people. You guys are the ones who are like, that's what you just gravitate, right? It's the left, yes, Dwight, the left-siders, right, of the brain. This is your dominant side, math all day. You want it black and white and logical. And there is a right and wrong answer, right? (laughs) Yes, okay, all right. I tended towards the other side, the give me a good book, right? Yes, give me a good book. Uh, I loved history. I loved, like, tell me the story of history. And I could just engage with the story. Um, but I remember specifically when math took a turn for me. I remember that up until a point of my, uh, of the math journey, uh, the worksheets, I don't know if you guys remember this, they were, they were just all, they're like 50 problems on one page. It was your times tables, right? And this is the whole sheet, 50 problems jammed into one side of the worksheet and you just fill in your times tables. And I remember when math took a turn and I remember one day where you get the worksheet and the worksheet has three problems on it. And it's like problem and then a whole bunch of space, right? And then problem in a ton of space. And there were three words on the top of the paper. Show your work, right? Show your work. Where all of a sudden, now there were many steps involved in this problem. And you had to show how you got to the final answer, didn't you? And you had to write it all out in all the steps. And uh, the teacher would know. Exactly. If that the answer was wrong, they'd know exactly kind of, oh, this is where you missed it, right? Right here in this process is where you took the wrong turn. They'd go back and correct it. That you could think, you could see like that, what were you thinking to get me that answer? And the teacher could tell if you were on track to then on the day of the test, be able to really do the math or if you were just copying someone else's. There, there was a lot of cheating. I did not realize this till I had High schoolers, there is a lot of copying answers out there. Lots of shortcuts these days, right? Um, but they, that, that was all exposed with the show your work requirement, wasn't it? Well, today what I want to do is I want to look at a time that Abraham, the father of faith, this, uh, this amazing hero of our faith, where um, I want to look at a time that he came up with a right answer on a test. And what I want to do is look behind the scenes at this right answer. And I want to see, he's going to show us his work. I want to see how he got there, the thought process, the steps that were involved in coming up with this this decision, this moment where he could decide to trust God with his life. And we're going to look at this story. We're going to look at it so that we can see, uh, we can follow along in a similar way that in the moment of our test, in the moment of our challenge, that we can put into place the same work that Abraham did, the same thought process that he had on his day of his test so that we can also come up with the right answer on our day of challenge. And so this is 22. 
And we're going to see exactly what was going on behind the scenes in the story. This should be a familiar story, but this is uh, Abraham and Isaac. And I'm going to read out of the message version. And I think we're going to have it up on the screen here. But here we go. We start in Genesis 22. And here's how it starts. After all this, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham, yes, answered Abraham, I'm listening. He said, take your dear son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. Oh, man, what a test. Abraham, what are you going to do in this moment? Are you going to go? Are you going to find this place that God is talking about? Are you going to follow? Are you going to make a decision in this moment to go through with what God is asking of you? And here's how the story continues. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took two of his young servants and his son, Isaac. He split the wood for the burnt offering, and he set out for the place God had directed him. On the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance. I'm going to pick up the story a few verses later here. And it says this, they arrived at the place to which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Just then, an angel of God called to him out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, I'm listening. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God and didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on the altar for me. And so this is it. We see how in this moment, Abraham decided, I will trust God. I will go through. I will obey. I will follow up with what you're asking of me. And I think, oh, my goodness, Abraham, how, how did you choose between this life and death decision? This is this is huge, right? This is everything. How did you make this decision to choose to trust God on that mountaintop with your son, Isaac? How, how did you make this decision on this day of the test, right? And so what I want to do is I actually want to look to get another side of Abraham, to get the show your work side of Abraham. And we're going to see, we're going to pick this up in Hebrews 11, where Hebrews 11 is going to give us some inside information on what Abraham is doing up on that mountaintop. It's going to give us another viewpoint because here in Genesis, we see, we meet Abraham, this father of faith, this courageous man who can obey in a challenge like that, this faithful one, this, this, uh, the superhero, right? Of faith in so many ways. But in Hebrews, we're going to meet Abraham, the accountant, Abraham, the accountant. And this is what it says in Hebrews eleven nineteen. We get to see what exactly was going on on that mountaintop. And it says this about this moment that Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. This is what's going on behind, behind the scenes. He reasoned that God could raise the dead. Now, that word reasoned, in the Greek, it means to to calculate. It means to compute, uh, to take an inventory. It's an accounting term, to, to take an account. And so that's what um, uh, that verb that tells us exactly what Abraham is doing up on this mountaintop this day. He wasn't questioning God. He wasn't hoping that God might make something good of this. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't arguing. He wasn't shaking his fist at God. No, no, no. He's counting. He's calculating. He's making, uh, he's computing something. He's taking an inventory like an accountant was. Okay, so what is he counting? 
What exactly is he counting up on that mountaintop? Well, it tells us in Hebrews 11, he's counting that God could raise the dead. That's what he's counting. He's computing God's ability in that moment. He's taking an inventory of what God could do. He's taking into account what God could do. And I think he's adding up the power of his God in this moment, that he's taking into account the nature of God, the ways of God. He's taking into account, I believe, um, reaching back into his history with God. And he's adding up all the things that he has seen God do. No, God showed up in a moment and, and appeared and talked to me in a real way. No, God gave me courage. God gave a promise that uh, my, even though my body was, was beyond um, useless and Sarah's body could no a baby uh, from an impossible situation, right? He's counting up the things that he has seen in, in his eyes. He's seen God do the covenant he made, that God makes promises. He's adding up the fact that God made this covenant with him. Do you guys remember this? And he set out an animal and fire fell on this animal, right? Like that's, he's counting up these moments that God has come and broken in in earth. He's counting up the power of God, the promise. God can fulfill the word. And so what I think he's doing is this accounting system. And you guys know uh, how accounting works, right? But he's adding all of that up in the income column for God. And I have a little graph here in case you need a visual reminder, right? This is what we do with accounting. We take the income side. And so we have this one side of the equation, uh, all that God has could do, all that God has done, the way that God could show up in power. But then you also, guys, we know inventory, Accounting, it also has losses, doesn't it? There's another side to that equation. And so here in this moment, Abraham's holding up the ask. He's holding up the expense, the sacrifice, the cost that is involved. This is Isaac. Remember, it said, whom I love, my one son, whom I love. So he's holding up in this moment the current ask of God to sacrifice his son on that altar, the one that would be the first in the line of so many descendants that they would be as many as the stars in the sky, God promised, right? That's, that's a big sacrifice. Let's be real. That is a costly moment. And that goes on the expense side, doesn't it? And so we have these two sides sitting next to each other. One side is the income side. This is what I know about God. He has been faithful. He has shown himself to me. He has power to bring back the dead to life again, right? He has this way about him. And then next to that is the expense side. The things that are the hard column, the obedience, the surrender, the cost column. You're not complete until you get what? At the bottom a total, right? That's the last thing that has to come into play here is a bottom line, a total on this. And Abraham totals it all up. And when he does on that mountainside, the income side of God outweighs this co- the cost side for him, doesn't it? God is faithful. God is a restorer. God makes covenants. He's powerful enough to bring about those promises. He he doesn't just make promises. He actually has the power to fulfill them. And everything good comes through this promise-making God. Everything good comes through him. I tried it on my own, and that didn't work out so well. Goodness only comes through this God. 
And there is so much for Abraham on this income side. There is so much for him, so much power that God, that God has, so much, uh, you know, weight on that income side. That do you see what happens? It outweighs the cost in that moment. That the bottom line for him was that the income side of God, his understanding of who God is, swallows up an expense even that big of give me your son, your one son, who you love. Do you see what happens in that moment? That even that, even that was swallowed up by the income side of God. And that's how Abraham makes this decision in this moment. We just got to see his work in front of us. That he makes, it wasn't just an aspiration, right? Like, you know, someone says like, would you do this? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I would do that. But in that moment, when you were standing there face to face with a knife and wood and your son on an altar, you know, it's that he, he had it raised. He was ready to pull the trigger, right? This isn't just a wishful thinking. No, he was all in in this moment. And he was only able to do it because he knew who his God was. The income side far outweighed the cost in that moment. God had the expense covered of that circumstance. God had the expense of that situation covered. And he knew, he knew who God was. He knew who God was. And here's the deal, you guys. Just like Abraham on that mountaintop, our journey involves expense. This walk with Jesus involves cost and expense. Life takes unexpected withdrawals from our account, doesn't it? It's not going to be sacrificing your child. Let me just, oh, we all just take a breath for a second. But God asks for trust when, when we, we don't know what's ahead. He asks for faith when we can't see how it's all going to work out. He asks for hope in the midst of impossible things. He does. It's, it's not Isaac on the altar, but it is, it is belief that he will come through for us, like Sarah was saying. Will my friend get healed? How many of us are waiting for someone? We know people that they're, they're fighting for their health. They're fighting for their life. Will my kid be okay? Are they going to make it through this, this pain? Are they going to make it through this? Will my, you know, will my career end up, will I, will I find the purpose that I long for here? Will there be restoration in my family? Will these things come to be? Because we too, guys, we too are accountants, aren't we? We too are constantly calculating uh, all across our lives. And it's not just those big obedience moments. There's tons of decisions all day long, little choices all day long. Can God be trusted with my money? Can God be trusted with my parenting? Can God be trusted with my injustice? This is a big one for me. Like, no, you need to apologize, right? Like there's so many times where God is like, will you trust me with that? Will you trust me? with that hurt? Will you trust me with the pain that's there? Will you trust me with the, the worry and the fear, the things that keep you up in the middle of the night? This is us, guys. We too are constantly making calculations. And the deal is this, we might not be aware of the fact this might not run through our logical thought process. But here's the deal, guys. We live, we make decisions. We live our lives out of what we know about who God is. We do. We do these calculations all day long of income versus expense, bottom line, right? All day long. And we might think, we might think, I really, I know who God is. I do. I know who God is. But I wonder, I wonder, 
Do we really have the fullness of that income? Because we make these decisions too, uh, based on income over expenses. We weigh out these factors uh, constantly, guys, even if it's like just not super deliberate or it's right underneath our awareness. We're constantly in our head. We are. This is how we spend our days. Do I know God enough? Do I know who he is enough that whatever I'm facing can outweigh the ask, the expense? And so here's the deal, guys. We must get all the income straight. We must get the fullness of what needs to be on that spreadsheet in the income column of who God is. We must get the fullness of it straight um, uh, down because we can't we can't make uh, we can't make accurate calculations without all of it. We can't have errors in our accounting system, guys. We can't. And I, um, I know this. I know this, that no business is fine with a few errors on its books, right? And I am, I am not a detailed person. I work at the proximates, like, good enough, right? Like, I drive our bookkeeper crazy because I'm like, round up. You know, like, that's okay, right? Like, we're close enough, you know? And I, I'm always amazed by accountants and the details and their precision. I'm like, really? Really? And here's the deal, guys. That's okay for a family budget. It's okay for a family budget to deal with approximates, but it is not okay with the spiritual spreadsheet of our lives. We have to get the fullness of who God is straight because you could, could you imagine what would have happened with Abraham if he had a few errors, accounting errors on his books? Could you imagine if he would have looked at what God asked of him that current situation of, I want you to take Isaac up that mountain and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Could you imagine what would have happened if Abraham would have looked at that situation and he would have looked at it and said, you know, and he could have done this, God, you're mean. This is what we do with God. God, you're harsh. You are impossible to please. How could you ask uh, that of me? You know how much I love Isaac. How could you ask that much of me? Uh, You know, God, one minute you're like, blessing favor. One minute you're like good and you're making this promise. And the next minute you're stealing from me. You're taking from me, right? Like, have you heard people, have you heard people talk about God in that way? Like the God of, of, of the old Testament, who's just angry and, you know, doesn't like people, right? And it's confusing, right? It's confusing. It's an error in the accounting system, right? We have to get back. We have to get back to this, this place where it's like, you know what, God, I can see where you are across the whole, the whole of history. I can get all of it because we could have agreed with Abraham in that moment based on that limited perspective. It would have made sense. Yeah, that is mean, God, right? That is mean. We could have been tempted based on those errors. We could have been tempted to pack up Isaac and run, right? We could have been tempted to be like, you know what, God, this isn't going to work for me. And we would have been on our own, right? We would have been on our own, far away from that God as possible. Hardened up our heart like, God, never, never, you are not trustworthy, right? Because we didn't have an accurate accounting of God. That expense was too big. That expense was too big. And so then I believe what would have happened is is that Abraham would not have been prepared for what was on the other side of that mountain. God knew what was on the other side of that mountain. 
It was this blessing. It was a generational blessing. It was this father of faith for, for, uh, for us even today into eternity, right? It was descendants as many as sand on the seashore. God knew it with the foot of the mountain. And he knows the future on the other side of your mountain too. He does. He has it. And we want, you guys, we want our lives to carry the blessing that, that God gives. And God, the way he dealt with Abraham and that blessing, that same extent of blessing God has for our lives today. It's a different form, but same extent, isn't it? We want to walk out a life of faith that pleases God. We want to be the ones who are asleep in the boat when the storm is raging around us. We want to be the ones who see these things come to be, where it says, you know what? A thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at the other. I don't know which is which, right? We want to be the ones that, that can see the enemy and not fear. We want to be the ones who know what abundant life means. That is my picture next to that definition in Wikipedia, right? We want to stand before the, the giants, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy we could, we need, we, we want to stand before him with a stone in a slingshot and say, who are you to defy my God, right? Who were you? Abraham, or, uh, David stood in front of Goliath. You know what he was armed with? The name of God. He was, he was armed with who God, his God is. And that was enough for him. And you know what? It's enough for you too. These are ordinary people, guys, that knew who God was. They knew who he was. But all of this is at stake if we have misconceptions about God. All of it's at stake if we don't get the fullness of who he really is. And the truth is this, you guys, we are surrounded by ideas and opinions and arguments that are contrary to the true nature of God. Did you know that? We are surrounded by it. Here's what I see in, in 2 Corinthians 10 Three, and I, I believe this is like whew, a mission statement for us today. It says this, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. There is godly power behind uh, the weapons we have to do what? To demolish strongholds. Here could be our mission statement. I demolish strongholds. That's what I do. What do you do? I demolish strongholds. And we, what are these strongholds? It says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension. That's like another word is lofty ideas, opinions, arguments that sets itself up against what? The knowledge. That's what we're surrounded with. And that is our main job. Take them down. <laughs> Go ahead. Just demolish them. And how are you going to demolish them? Because you know the true knowledge of God. You know who your God is. That's how. That is the only way to take those things down. We're surrounded by these things, right? We're surrounded by arguments and you don't have to reach deep. I don't know what yours, yours might be. You don't have to reach deep to find those arguments, but maybe it's like, I will always struggle. Things will never change. He will never change. She will, things will never get better for me. I will always have this, whatever part of my life, right? I'll never be able to dot, dot, dot. I don't know what it is for you. God is not trustworthy. I'm alone in this. It's up to me. If it's anything's going to happen, well, it's up to me, right? Those are arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And if we go down that road, what I believe the scripture is saying is that we are going to live with giants in our land that we were armed to take down all along. 
that we were armed to take down all along, that we had what we needed, that there was enough income on the spreadsheet of our lives to be able to just overcome, to outweigh, to take, to demolish that thing down. So we must know God fully and accurately, church. This is the work that we've been given to do on this earth because you know that one day we're going to stand before him and we'll know him fully, right? And that we'll, we'll no longer have to reach for who God is. We'll no longer have to, to, to take it on ourselves. It'll just be laid before us. So there is a place that I want to point us to know God fully and accurately. And it's not a kefir. <laughs> it's not YouTube. You can't Google it. Uh, it's not your, your, uh, your favorite author. Did I already say that? Those are all good places. Those are all good places. But here's where I want us to start, you guys. The God of the Bible. I want us to start with the God of the Bible. That God reveals himself on every page of this book. Like Ryan was saying. God reveals himself from front to back. He's in the the details. He's in the big picture. He's across every bit of it. We can see how he interacts with humanity. We can do what Abraham did. We can pull all the places that, oh, God could do this. I saw him do that. He could do this right here in this situation, right? We see the big picture. We see the details. He's in all of it. So I want us, I want us to begin to read the Bible and I want us to begin to go, who is God? Who is my God? And I'm going to get every, when I come to this book, I'm going to get it. I'm going to approach it to fill up the income side of my life on the spiritual spreadsheet that I live off of. And I want to just take a second and I want to show you, I want to show you the consistency of our God. I want to give you, I want to just Feed the hunger in you. And I want you just to catch a glimpse of how big he really is. And in front of you, you have a paper that looks like this. Some of you might need to get your readers. If you don't have one, do you mind? Aiden has a pile of them somewhere. Yeah, Aiden, back there, they didn't get those. If you don't mind, you might, yeah, you might want to turn around and share them. They're... What I'm going to do is just read through this. And what's going to happen is that income side is just going to grow a little bit today. And there might be a moment where you need to go, woo! Should we practice? Should we do a woo? Okay. Maybe a fist pump. Wayne does the two arms. Two arms. Okay. Here we go. This is who our God is. And these are all over, these are all over the internet. I just picked one from Priscilla Scherber. I don't know how to say her name, but okay, give her credit. Here we go. Genesis, he is the breath of life. Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he is Israel's God. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. Ruth, he is the kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he is the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls and lives. In Esther, he is our courage. In Job, he is the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is time and seasons. In Song of Songs, he is a lover's dream dreamer. In Isaiah, he is our prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is the cry 
for Israel. In Ezekiel, he calls us from sin. In Daniel, he is a stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is forever faithful. In Joel, he is the Spirit's power. In Amos, he is the strong arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he is the Lord, our Savior. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he is the promise of peace. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he brings revival. In Haggai, he restores that which was lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his hands. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is our God and Messiah. In Acts, he is the son of God, rising with the fire of heaven in his hands. In Romans, he is the grace of God. In First and Second Corinthians, he is the power of love. In Galatians, he is our freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he is our glorious redeemer. In Philippians, he is the servant's heart. In Colossians, he is the God of the Trinity. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our caring king. In First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he is our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he is our everlasting courage. In James, he is the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he is our faithful servant. In First, Second, Third John, and Jude, he is the lover coming for his bride. In Revelation, he is King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, Son of man, Alpha and Omega, Lamb of God, the great I am, God our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is everything you need. He is everything you need. He is everything you need. He is every expense of your life covered, you guys. Every expense covered. And here's what I'm asking you. The accountant that you are, commit to knowing the God of the Bible. Commit to knowing the God of the Bible. And here's the brilliant thing. You can front load your life. You can front load your life. Do you know anything about front loading? Well, I just discovered recently that Kevin has been doing something for years that I had no idea he was doing. Years. I live with this man. I had no idea he's doing this. Um, but what happened was at the end of like, Every day this came out in a conversation. He was taking spare money that was maybe like left in his pockets or hanging around a dollar, a five, ten, the occasional twenty, and shoving them in the back recesses of his sock drawer. Like just for years, putting them, putting it away, putting it away. And he thought that if the money was set aside, uh, you know, way back there, that he could continue to grow it and let it sit until there was like a need for something special. And um, our, our kids are going away. We're actually going to pray for Anna today. Okay? And Aiden is is headed to London. Um, but we were like, well, we were talking about going to Europe. And I was like, okay, but we got to start saving. And he got this twinkle in his eye. And he's like, Molly, I've been taking money for years and putting it aside way out of the reach of your Dave Ramsey budget your envelopes and putting it and he's like, and it's grown and grown and grown and we could go to Europe, you know? And, and I was really excited, but I was kind of mad. Like oh, your secret, your dirty little secret. You've been, what? I'm when budgeting. So trying to get the budget right. Right. But the truth is this, when the day comes to fly off to Europe, the cash is there. The cash is there, right? He's put it away and put it away and put it away. And P.S. We've moved it, so (laughs) 
I know. We found out recently that there's actually been a break-in in our area, and a lady was in her garden. Um, it took like 20 minutes, but they go straight for the sock drawer, guys. Like We found this out. They go straight for the sock drawer, so it's moved. <laughs> uh, so anyways, but here's here's the deal. Here, here's exactly what I'm asking you to do. Put it away and put it away and put it away daily, consistently, a steady stream of anything and everything you can get your hands on from this word. Put it away before the moment of discouragement, before the moment that would require your fear, before the moment that would would make you wonder, is this God really worth it? I think I'm going to pack up and head another way. Before that moment on the mountaintop comes, put it away and put it away. And I, what I want is I want you just to read some bit, some bit of the word and just read like, like exactly like Ryan was saying, who is God? Who is, where are you, God? Who are you? What can I add to the income side of the spreadsheet of my life? I'm going to be purposeful about this. I'm going to put it away and I'm going to get who you are. I'm going to get who you are. And so that when that day comes, oh no, my God is the cover. My God is the God who could raise the dead. I know this about him. I know this about him. I'm standing in confidence on the truth of who he is. So when you read, like you did this week, on, I think it was on day two, you read the creation story. And in your daily response, they just asked you, who, who did you find God to be in that story? Oh, God, yeah, you, look at who you are. You fill empty spaces. You are a God who creates out of nothing. You take chaos and you bring it into order. That's who you are. That's who you are, God. I've got it. I've got it. Maybe you want to start asking someone around you, who'd you find God to be today? Who'd you find him to be today? Increase my income a little bit and let me just bless yours, right? Who'd you find him to be? So in that day of fear, in that day of spirit, we have it. We have it in our back pocket. Our God is the God could raise the dead. My God has this covered. My God has this covered. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand up and we're going to pray this in the fullness, the accuracy of who God is into our lives. And what I want you to do is I want you to find a place where you could kind of relate to Abraham on that mountaintop where you recognize that this is a place where my faith could falter. This is a place where I, I kind of struggle trusting God, or I'm not, I'm not 100% confident in his ability and his power, his goodness, and who he is. Maybe it's a, a place, maybe you're just wondering, I'm not sure if the world's going to be a safe place in years to come. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's something really small. I'm not really sure that my life is going to, amount to something. I don't know what it is, but where you, where you find your faith faltering a little. And what we're going to do right now with the Holy Spirit's help is we're going to apply who God is right there. And we're going to let God cover. We're going to let God cover some of the expense of our lives in new ways right now. And so God, we lay our, our lives before you. Here we are and on the precipice of mountaintop place. And you're asking for faith. You're asking for us to trust you. You're asking for this decision. You trust me. Will you trust me? And you know it's costly, God. You know that this thing is costly. 
you know that obedience is costly. You know that surrender is costly. You're the God who covers. We just declare right now over our lives, you're the God who covers. You are the God who always shows up. You are the God who always comes through. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are our redeemer. You are our healer. You are our faithful priest. You are our fire by night. You are our song of deliverance. Feel faith rising. I just, I can feel, I guess, feel the Holy Spirit coming alongside. It's just the brilliant one that He is. I can feel faith rising. I can feel the overcoming hope of our God in this place. Just let Him come more. Just let Him come more. Just surrender is so beautiful to Him. It's what He calls it worship, guys. He calls it worship rightly standing before your God. I sense anxiety going, fear going, in the light of the greatness of our God, overcoming love of our Father. So God, I just bless us as a church to fully and accurately know you, to fully and accurately, more than we would know anything else. God, oh man, that we would be experts in this one thing. I know who my God is. I know who my God is. I know who my God is. I bless us to not, to just, it's like just daily, just, I'm just, taking seeds. I'm just taking seeds out of the out of the book. I'm taking seeds out of the book for what's coming down the road. It's not man, it, it's it's that daily, daily walk. It's that daily thing. Putting it away, guys. Putting it in the sock drawer. For the one day. I just bless this church. I bless the hunger and thirst for righteousness in this place. 